Swifter, Swiffer bunk, Swifter bunk. This does not sound like an existing place. (laughs) No, no. It's Friday, December 13th. Is it? It's Friday the 13th. Oh, Friday the 13th. I did not yeah. realize this oh, until yeah, I said this out loud. explains a lot. And this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, master student in civil engineering and victim of news ursplaining. It <laughs> <laughs> was really like the funniest thing that happened yeah. this week. And with me today are Gordon Derrick, contributing editor, Dutch News and election fridge correspondent. I think that was the funniest thing that happened mm. this week. How mm. much booze is in this coffee, Gordon? Um, is it? Is Wait, it in 50, my coffee, 50? it is forty percent proof. I think. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just pure whiskey. And Molly Quell is here as well. She is contributing editor, Dutch news, and genocide correspondent. I also have a lot of booze in my coffee. It's been <laughs> a rough couple of weeks. Yes, Paul, let's start with you. Uh, well, what happened with the news you're explaining? Yes, <laughs> uh, I think a couple of years ago there was an event in Berlin where they had a parade of uh, Coca-Cola Christmas trucks. You know, the brightly lit Christmas yeah. trucks, and there was a photo taken of all these trucks passing by the Brandenburger Tor. Mm. Yeah. So I saw. This, saw this photo, uh, I immediately uh, coupled that with uh, World War Two because yeah. Brandenburg Tor. That's what you do. So I tweeted that photo with the caption, American forces triumphantly entering Berlin, yeah. 1945, colorized. So that was my joke. It gained some traction yeah. until Jeroen Wollaars, yes. esteemed yeah. journalist, yes. presenter of Newsur and former Germany correspondent, mm. uh, he replied to the tweet, no, this is not a photo from 1945. <laughs> you are wrong. Yeah. So I thought of course this is not a photo of 1945 that's very clear so i <laughs> tweeted the most sarcastic response ever i think you're you not say? correct oh i think you're not correct <laughs> uh, upon I which tears he... in my eyes laughing <laughs> like watching this go down uh and he replied to that tweet with a video of berlin <laughs> in 1945 yeah. with a specific time of that video which showed the brandenburger tour how it was in 1945 <laughs> so he sat down he found this video Video, yeah. And then he went to the part in the video where they're showing trucks going by the Brandenburger Gate and then sent that to you. It wasn't just a- like, a, he here's said, a link to the Wikipedia No, page. and he yeah. said, look at this video footage. You will clearly see that this is a different <laughs> period of time. So I was very surprised with that. And a lot of people started to joke about that. Yeah. So he clearly realized that he made a he terrible made, yeah, mistake. The, the joke had gone way over his the head. Yeah. Jo- the joke yeah. had gone yeah. way. So then yeah. he started to send funny gifts right. and stuff like that. But the damage was already <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so that It was, was brilliant. I loved it. it yeah, really, I, mean, I just yeah. love the idea that anyone could think that you were seriously trying to pretend that you know that this picture of trucks which were clearly not 1945 with EU flags on the license plates. So um, it was delightful. It's definitely much happier than Gordon and I's and then anything else that's happened. I did get to ask Steph Block about the Brexit Muppet costume. I think that's that's a pretty good. And did he tell you who's in the Brexit Muppet costume? My theory is that Steph Block is in the costume. They use a Steph Block stunt double with. According to Mr. Block, which are... is also the butler from the Adams family. <laughs> you are extremely incorrect. Uh, we had a, a sort of on the record, off the record lunch, not just me personally. I was there with right. some other journalists. I'm relieved to hear that. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. 
Maybe um, not dating Steph Block. I was telling Paul this morning that, you know, he is really a master of saying things without saying anything. Yeah. And I want to know if he is also like that with his wife. Or, like, if he can turn this personality on when he is in work mode and, mm. like, turn it off when he, like, goes to play football on the weekends or whatever it is that yeah. he does. So, of course, because I've been covering the Myanmar case at the International Court of Justice this week, I had questions about that, which he and I kind of got into a little bit of a back and forth on, but I thought that he gave, you know, some solid answers. And then I said, oh, wait, I just have one more small question I'm going to ask Mr. Block can you reveal who is in the Brexit Muppet outfit? Which, of course, everyone was expecting another Mm. question about genocide, so this brought (laughs) a lot of laughter. He, I think, was a bit flustered because it caught him a bit off guard. And what he replied to me was, I've spoken to the guy who's in there, and he says it's very hot, to which his spokesperson says... Now you've confirmed that it's a man. And then Block tried to backtrack and be like, no, I've spoken to the person that's in there. Uh, so we know two things. Right. One, it is a man who wears the costume. And then Steph Block categorically denied he has ever even put the suit on. So it's I not him that. in the costume, yeah. according to Mr. Block. Okay. Otherwise, I have him on the record lying. Did you ask for a bonnet chair? I, oh, I should have asked for a bonnet <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So please tell me about the fridge thing. The I fridge thing. I don't this, know what yeah, happened. You missed everything. I missed everything. You missed everything I missed because uh, of genocide. You were too, bu- too busy with genocide, whereas I was uh, too busy with the UK election campaign. I'm yeah. not quite sure who had it worse. But mm-hmm. the fridge thing was uh, one of the um, more curious moments uh, of a very curious election campaign where Boris Johnson was uh, out and about uh, two days before the election and he was doing some kind of photo call. He was taking the milk out. He was being a milkman, all kinds of weird innuendos going on here. <laughs> all kinds of Wait, is this a thing that British politicians do? You yeah, they like deliver good. the milk as part of your election campaign? This is kind of, I don't know why, but um, conservative politicians in this election campaign made a big thing of sort of doing things early in the morning. So you had Matt Hancock, who's the health secretary, doing every morning he'd like to do like a vlog in his car with the dawn rising behind him. I don't know what this was about, but <laughs> Boris Johnson's thing was to go to um, like a dairy and uh, get a, a crate full of milk bottles and carry it about. The breakfast TV news um, show then decided to go along and try and get an interview with him because one of the things about Boris Johnson this campaign he's been running away from interviews left right and centre they've been trying to keep him off the telly as much as possible understandable <laughs> especially trying to stop him talking on the telly so, so they tried to get an interview with him on a microphone and Boris Johnson actually said I'll be with you in a minute and then he went into the big sort of you know the walk-in fridge store cool storage unit and he didn't come out he just hid in the fridge. Are you serious? Yes. Wait, this actually he hid. happened. It actually happened. He on actually live hid. television. On live television. He ran away from an interview and hid in the fridge. There wasn't really any kind of actual political campaigning or debate or discussion. It was just people running around and hiding in fridges. It was a really strange election campaign. <laughs> okay. Um. We have to thank some people. Oh, yeah, of course. Because yes. something good did happen this week. Yes. Oh, yeah. Something very good did happen this Indeed. week. We received some Christmas presents. Yeah. Yes. We received a package, which we have not actually seen yet because it went to the head office in Amsterdam, and we, we are not in Amsterdam. So I'm going to collect that tonight and we will get our, what we know to be chocolate letters because someone else opened the package. But we don't know who this is from. We do know that the postal address was in Eindhoven. So if you were in Eindhoven and you sent us a sort of Sinterklaas or a Christmas present, please send an email to podcast at dutchnews.nl and let us know because we don't know who you are and we would like to thank you. But also an anonymous benefactor this morning, we opened up some presents from them, which are matching travel mugs with the podcast logo and our names on it. I will put up a photo on Instagram. But we weren't the only one who got a present because Truby, the mm. official Dutch News podcast dog, also got a present. He, he got the best present. He, he got, got the, the best, best present. present. Yeah. He has a little dog neckerchief that yeah. has the Dutch News podcast logo bib. on it. Yeah. It's extremely cute. So, Paul, yeah. Ophef. Yes. This week it was the turn of Trouw newspaper to cause the Ophef. The newspaper posted a tweet reading, Even though they are no longer fertile, women stay alive a long time after menopause. Why? 
I was kind of expecting a, a reaction from Molly, but she is perplexed. I'm speechless, I yeah. think, is what I am. <laughs> also, isn't Trout, like, known for being kind of on the progressive side of things? Like, I so, think somewhat so, lefty? yes. Generally. But Who it wrote was this tweet? Trout newspaper. Um, it was because of the grandmother effect. Mm. Uh, the tweet also read, as shown by orcas. The tweet linked to an article on Trout's website about new research that showed young orcas have a much higher survival chance if their grandmothers are alive while they grow up. Trout's interesting phrasing raised, of course, a lot of eyebrows. Many asked why the newspaper would write something like that. And it resulted in a lot of sarcastic replies such as, even though men are only useful for their sperm, they stay alive long time <laughs> after ejaculation. Well, this is why. true. Can yeah. we have a conversation about this as a society? Yeah, because although possibly they don't if they start writing tweets like that. Yeah. <laughs> All I'm saying is, is that if men died after ejaculation, society would probably be better off. Trau hasn't deleted the tweet and despite the massive opf, and we still don't know why they uh, oh wrote it. That's yeah, such a that. bad tweet. Who did all why? It was a very strange phrasing. Yeah. Yeah. The research also showed that it's similar for uh, human children. Mm. That they have a I mean, better I chance I had a good to... relationship with my grandmother. I suspect that grandparents play an important role. But the problem is, is that women as human beings are not defined by their ability to reproduce. <laughs> like no. We get to be our own individual sentient persons who want to make our own decisions about yes. things. And de- can decide not to wear Christmas jumpers. Yes. yes. Even, even, even though it is Christmas jumper Friday. It is Christmas jumper Friday. Friday, but yeah. people can choose but, to not wear Christmas jumpers. Yeah. But but you can uh, uh, later on in in your life take up knitting and start knitting Christmas jumpers. That's true. You don't want to yeah, wear you them. Do that. yeah. I mean, yeah. I do knit. I'm yeah, just not knitting exactly. Christmas. I, I want a Dutch news <laughs> podcast logo Christmas jumper oh for next year. I, I, yeah, I'd like one as well. Good oh luck. Because since, you've, since, <laughs> since you've decided not to have children, no, you have to just have time. This week we'll update you on the situation in the Hague suburb of Duindorp, tell you why the Blasting Deans used massive amounts of black ink and what pulled into a Dutch train station. After the break, we announced the nominees for the prestigious Dutch News Podcast Ophef of the Year Award. Are we excited for that? Uh, this is can, can this I have is a drum roll, please. Week. Yeah. Yes, very exciting. I'm yeah. very excited. A woman who passed secret documents about the Chinese government's treatment of the Uyghur minority has appealed for help from the Dutch secret services. Asiya Abdullaheb says she and her husband, who both live in the Netherlands, have been subjected to a harassment campaign since the documents were published by the international journalists network ICIJ. She told the Volkskant that one message had warned her she would end up in pieces in the wheelie bin in her garden. Her husband claimed he'd been flown out to Dubai by Chinese government officials, who told him he'd have to spy on his fellow emigrants if he wanted to see his mother again. Human rights campaigners say the documents expose the harsh treatments of Yugos in the camps. Around a million people are said to have been locked up since 2014 in Xinjiang province, where most of the Muslim minority community live. And what is the Chinese government saying about this? Well, they don't call them camps. They say they're training centres and are supposed to be attended voluntarily for the rehabilitation of Muslims, because uh, because Uyghurs are a Muslim minority, uh, who've been exposed to extremist Islamic conditioning. Beijing has also said the documents were fake. They were pure fabrication and fake news. Hmm. How did she come by these documents in the first place? Uh, It was on her laptop, uh, because uh, she lives in the Netherlands, but she's uh, been working uh, for various Chinese government institutions. She's 
kind of member of the Uyghur elite, so uh, does that kind of work. And when she fled to the Netherlands in 2009, uh, she never quite disclosed why, uh, but she and her husband met while they were refugees. Uh, but she kind of distanced herself from the um, community uh, initially. However, when she saw the document, she said, quote, this thing has to be made public, um, according to an interview with the New York Times. So she posted a page on Twitter, which was picked up by a German data researcher based in Xinjiang. He vouched for its authenticity and things uh, carried on from there. Uh, incidentally, the ICIJ, the Journalists Collective, uh, never discloses its sources. So we don't know officially that the document came from her. But um, yeah, she, she's basically said that she uh, yeah, that she had it and she, she, she and she's now in danger because she's uh, disclosed it. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a whole... Yeah, talk about a genocide situation. That's yeah. basically what's going on there. Yeah. Ugh. Um, has there been any? I assume the Dutch security services are are, are assisting her and her. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously they're not, not going to say exactly what uh, assistance they give, but but they are aware of the situation. They've yeah. been saying in their annual reports for some time that uh, yeah, the treatment of the Uyghurs is, is uh, uh, a real concern, and also that the um, the Chinese government has infiltrated the community in yeah. the Netherlands, the expat community. Yeah. So it's well aware of, of the risk to her. Yeah. yeah. Another episode in the Toeslagen affair, the scandal about the tax office unjustly accusing thousands of people of committing fraud and cutting their benefits, sometimes financially ruining them. If you want to know more about the background of the scandal, you can listen to the second part of last week's episode, where we discussed it in detail. Deputy Finance Minister Menno Snell promised in the debate last week uh, to come up with a solution for the thousands of parents uh, as quickly as possible, and part of that was to be completely open and transparent from now on. A number of parents had requested the Belastingdienst to see their personal dossiers to see uh, why the tax office accused them of wrongdoing. The dossiers were sent to them, but when they opened the files, they saw that the pages were almost completely redacted. Videos of the completely black pages were tweeted by uh, SP MP Renske Leiter, and this caused uh, major upheaf. A spokesperson of the Belastingdienst said in a tweet that the blacked out content was uh, other people's personal information. Um, how that ended up in their personal dossiers that wasn't mm. uh, explained. No. Um, almost the entire opposition demanded a new debate before Christmas with the deputy minister. Uh, this was initially blocked by GroenLinks, but a day later the party decided to support the debate, uh, which means that Menno Snell has to come to the Tweede Kamer and give an explanation. Yeah, so uh, more pressure for Menno Snell. Basically. Yeah, 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 more pressure. And yeah. uh, this is just the worst thing that the Belastingdienst could have done. Mm. I mean, they are already... Don't do st- something like yeah. this. You I are mean, already the optics worse. are already very bad mm-hmm. for you, and if you continue to behave like this and in a very arrogant way, you, you don't want to tell people what what exactly happened. Then I mean, you you're just digging the hole yeah. deeper for yeah, yourself. Yeah, I just don't understand what their motivation is. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it, obviously for individuals, this was financially ruinous in some cases, but in terms of like the blasting dienstes or compared to like the Dutch government's budget. I mean, this is, we're talking drops in the bucket here. Like Mm. it just seems like such a little amount of money to just make such a huge thing about. I don't understand why they would act this way. You are in the wrong, pay people back, make their situations right. I mean, you know, you pay them back with interest. I'm sure that the Dutch have some sort of formula for this. Apologize and move on. Like why continue to drag this out? Yeah, I think maybe because there's just been this uh, very long standing kind of entrenched culture of kind of having to fight benefit fraud. And they're so deeply um, mired in that that they can't really see a way out of it. Yeah, It, it, It requires a whole culture shift. 
Yeah, yeah because you've also to talked stop about suspecting people of you know of, of committing fraud just because they've made a couple of um, you know, small errors in the paperwork. You've also talked about having issues trying to get benefits for your two children who are autistic and are entitled to things. And some of the things that you've talked about having yeah. to go through just seems completely absurd to me. I've never been accused of fraud, but uh, or having anything like this well, happen to me. With regards to that, I mean, we've accused you of fraud. <laughs> you've accused me of fraud. Uh, yeah, yes, just basically luckily, every the week. Tax office yeah. More, yeah. Fortunately, I don't yeah. work for the tax office. The tax office have more integrity than yeah, you, Yeah, I'm glad but. somebody does. <laughs> <laughs> you also accused him of genocide, right? Oh, yeah, we've yeah. done that, too. Yeah, yeah, we've done that as well. But that's more accurate. I mean, <laughs> the things that he's done to all the mice in his house, I think, <laughs> constitute a war oh, crime. Um, but... Yeah, but I think it, it is a incredibly d- yeah difficult um, yeah by yeah Byzantine kind of ex- yeah extremely complicated system. It takes up an awful lot of time. You have to sort of file off declarations in two or three different directions. There's the uh, the uh, you, you you have to get somebody quite often you, you're commanded to approve funding but then the, the actual money comes from the social Savings bank so you've got to send off forms to them as well you know i can deal with it uh, but it takes up a huge amount of time if you're kind of if you know uh, struggle with low lific- low low uh, no literacy learning difficulties all kinds of things you've got to deal with this that's even worse and there's this constant kind of i think um tendency that these officials have had to kind of um yeah to to to, to, to judge and suspect people if they're not really coping with this kind of situation there's all kind of reasons why you might not be able to if you have mental health you know, issues or you, you just aren't very handy around paperwork. And yeah, or you just have to miss one deadline or make a mistake or fill in a form wrong or not sign a form. You know, there's so many things that can go wrong. And if the, if the kind of default... Uh, response is to think you must be committing fraud. Yeah, it's very easy to see how people yeah. get into this. So, it's, so it's, you know, I, th- I think um, the Blastingdienst and uh, other agencies have to be more, you know, should be more, you know, flexible and more helpful in their responses. Often people just need a helping hand to show, you know, to, to see how a form should be filled in. I mean, or or, or who you should go to, to to resolve an issue if you've got if you've got a problem. Yeah, a, co- a colleague of mine who also has an autistic child was telling me the other day that you know. They they have to apply. You have to reapply for a lot of the benefits yeah. on behalf of this kid every year. And her point yes. was that like, well, he is not. This is this is not, not a temporary condition. This is not a temporary yeah. condition. Yeah. He is never going to improve. This is not going to get better. So like, why do I have to keep going through this? this process yeah. like, this is just a child who's not ever going to be able to interact with society in the way that that i can so like you know let's just set this up so that this you know you have a five-year review yeah, or something uh, like ongoing, that yeah, 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 yeah this is the thing and you know, the, the, the support is there and it's good when you get it but it is such uh, an enormous amount of time and effort involved in applying for it i think it's put off-putting for a lot of yeah. people yeah. So, so people who should be accessing this support don't get it yeah which is, you know, and yeah, and then it's compounded by the situation where people who do get it, but then they've either made a mistake or they're caught up in, you know, uh, the kind of belasting dienst you know, witch hunt. Basically, was what happened with some of these families. Yeah, yeah um, I mean, this then, is then, really then, a witch then, hunt. This really is a witch hunt. Yeah, then they end up financially actually much worse off than they yeah. would have been if they if they'd never applied in the first place. Yeah, which which can't be right. No, I agree. It's really terrible. There are some signals that there is a majority um, developing for uh, abolishing this Tuslage system, yeah. this very complicated system. But then you've got to replace it but with something. But then you've got to replace so, it with something yeah. else. So, yeah, that's also, of course, a very yeah. di- difficult uh, process. Yeah. But um, I think that's the other thing. We, 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 I, th- I think we mentioned this uh, l- l- last week that um, the, the tax office, you know, is its basic purpose is to collect money from people, to take money off people, not to, to collect taxes, people. not to distribute uh, money. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a, that's been part of the, part of the problem. Yeah, because 
they're seems, not really set up to do to do this. I mean, from my end, I mean, I know other people have had problems with the blasting deeds, and mm. I mean, I think at least among the international community, the big struggle with the blasting deeds is that you have to speak to them in Dutch. If you don't speak very good Dutch, it can really get to be a problem if you sort of get into a situation. Mm. But other than that, I mean, in my experience, paying your taxes here is quite straightforward. I mean, everything for there mostly seems fine, and especially if you like have a more normal work situation where you just have one singular job. I yeah. mean, it's just like no, it's like a total no-brainer. I mean, even filing the taxes for the house wasn't particularly complicated. It was quite straightforward. No. But yeah, I think you're right. When the when they're in this situation where they're paying stuff out instead of taking it in, they seem to be like not as competent in dealing mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. Yeah. So we will hear. Um, I'm a lot sure of stuff there will more be more. Yeah, about there'll be more of this. Yes. Yeah. Paul, I see that you have uh, redacted your blasting deans to my text <laughs> here. I did, but you already saw it, so yes, that was a shame. Rail operator NS conducted its first self-driving train this week. The train is an extra computer which tells it to start, reduce speed, and stop according to a program schedule. The test drive, which took place between Kampenzoud and Swifterbond... We denied the existence of Swifterbond. Yes. I, I think it's fake news. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ...was a success with no delays, according to the NS. There were no passengers on board, and a driver was on hand in case of mishaps. Right. Mm. Um, yeah, it's very smart that they're trying to do this, because the big problem with the Dutch railway system is it's already very congested, but the problem is that there are um, uh, separate pieces of tracks that has to be be cleared uh if there's a train passing by then there needs to be two uh sets of tracks that has to be clear without trains and if you have this dynamic um uh, distance that you can implement that would very uh, be very helpful in uh, in increasing more capacity you could fit more trains on the track yeah, basically. yeah. uh what are drivers think about it because obviously it's going to do them out of a job potentially. The trains already use computers for some stuff um, but starting braking stopping is done by the drivers. Not all the drivers are happy about the development. Of course they worry like you said that self-driving trains may threaten jobs in the future. According to the NS uh, a spokesperson said we are hearing positive comments as well although it was it's, they did not provide any evidence of those positive comments. <laughs> right, okay. So they didn't put, to... uh, put a train driver forward to say, to give the uh, the actual positive comments. Yeah, although yeah. I suppose even if you replaced completely, I guess, the drivers with some sort of, you know, kind of automatic computer system, you would still need people, uh, conductors to be in the trains to be checking tickets and like those kinds of things. Yeah, so, you still uh, need to be able to be operating well. You need somebody to actually operate the automatic trains as well. Yeah, or if they broke down, and or that kind was, of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it didn't seem to me that the NS was saying, I mean, I suspect that there would be some train conductor jobs lost, but I don't think overall it, it didn't appear to be that it was going to be that many that quickly. So I yeah. guess we will see over time. And also if they do, if they run on according to a program schedule, what are you going to do if there is a delay? Yeah. Or, you know, another train in front of you that yeah, means you've got to wait five minutes. So. Yeah, or I, you know, I suspect that maybe for safety reasons, you're still going to want to have somebody on board who can operate like yeah. this vehicle if something happens, you know, that they they get stuck and you need to back the train up and do some kind of strange maneuver that the computer isn't used to. But yeah, yeah. I guess or we'll if you just have an forward. emergency on board and you need to stop the train, obviously yeah. that takes a human being to decide when it's safe to start driving again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that kind of stuff, I think we'll see. We have two updates uh, on stories we talked about in previous episodes. The first update is about the unrest in the, the Hague suburb of Duindorp. Dozens of people... Is it still standing? 
Does it have it's, any bus stops left? Uh, are there any snap bars stand, still? Yeah. It's it's sort of still standing, but we will dive into that. Um, dozens of people started to riot after the mayor of The Hague, Johan Remkes, Mr. Stikstof, of yeah. course, uh, decided to cancel this year's bonfire on Scheveningen Beach because there was not a sufficient safety plan. Last year, the bonfire was uh, over 10 meters uh, higher than allowed and caused a rain of fire over Scheveningen, including a fire tornado, mm. uh, with millions of damage as a result. Uh, the rioting has been uh, going on for weeks now, and the fire brigade was called over 200 times to Duindorp during that period. Aerial footage showed a uh, firework bomb exploding under a police van and it sparked a major outrage, especially by the mayor himself. Uh, the seven police officers in the van were not injured, but police said that if it was a normal car, it would have been completely destroyed. Uh, no suspect has been arrested yet. Mm. Was very so that's pretty extreme. Yeah, was actually extreme trying to blow footage, up an yeah. uh, armored police van. Yeah, yeah I yeah. saw a, a tweet from the, um, I think from the, I don't know if it was the Gemeente de Hague, I'm not sure exactly where it was from. Um, maybe it was the police comparing that they have had just like so many more call outs already. Like yeah. this year, it's like 200 and last year it was like 13 or something like this. So yeah. it's, it's been quite the increase. That's really escalated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and they're really afraid for New Year's, New Year's Eve itself. Eve. Because, yeah. 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 What's going to happen then? Yeah. When, when everyone then? puts their old Christmas trees out. Yeah. The other update is about the farmers, mm. Molly's uh, favorite group of people. Fortunately, <laughs> I've been ignoring that this week, although I did see a headline today that they're going to Amsterdam today, I guess. Uh, they are in Amsterdam there, today yeah. at, uh, at Dam Square. Um, and in the past months, as uh, Molly uh, knows very well, uh, we've seen a number of major protests by the farmers. They are unhappy with the government's plan to uh, tackle the nitrogen crisis. Many farmers feel they are still disproportionately hit by the measures, and they announced a new protest on Wednesday, and this time they plan to block distribution centers of supermarkets. Fearing that the stores will be empty in the days before Christmas, supermarkets sent a letter to the Farmers Defense Force, sort of the, the, the organization yeah, that represents the, the, these angry farmers, yeah. um, and they demanded that the strikes would be called off, uh, but the uh, FDF refused to respond, and the supermarkets are now going to court to demand uh, strikes will be uh, forbidden. So, um, yeah, mm. um, maybe we don't have any Christmas. No, yeah. Christmas is ruined. Christmas, Christmas is can- Christmas is cancelled. Yeah, yeah. By so the people who are complaining about yeah. the war on Christmas. <laughs> In an interesting <laughs> move yesterday, uh, Mr. Block, when I was when I was speaking to him, uh, was discussing. Can, can, can't you call him Steph by now? I, know, I, mean, I don't so think we're on a first name basis. No, not, not yet. yet. We need another date for that. Uh, he yeah. was pointing out that uh, you know the Netherlands is the second, the world's second largest exporter of agricultural yes, products. Indeed. And that the largest part of the EU budget goes to supporting agriculture. Yeah. However, most not of that Dutch. does not come to the Netherlands. No. And the reason for that is that the vast majority of agriculture in the Netherlands is vegetable growing in greenhouses and cut flowers, which are not being subsidized by the EU mm-hmm. um, and are also not contributing to the stickstoff crisis, mostly. I mean, everything sort of contributes to it, but not yeah. in a substantial way, um, which I think is kind of interesting because you have this extremely polluting part of the agricultural thing that's less economically significant. Yeah. Um, and it is takes m- up much more space. And takes up much more space. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that Mr. Block had some, it appears to have some interesting thoughts <laughs> right. on this subject. <laughs> yeah, At least yeah, yeah. he was not articulating them. Maybe. But he did point this out on his own, which I thought was mm-hmm. interesting. Ajax crushed out of the Champions League in midweek with a 1-0 defeat at home to Valencia. Despite finishing the group stage with 10 points, Ajax finished behind the Spanish side and Chelsea. 
The absence of Quincy Promes through injury was arguably the telling factor in the home defeat in Amsterdam as Ajax failed to score for the second match in a row. Coach Erik ten Hag said it was a bitter defeat, but his team will need to pick themselves up for the weekend when they take on second place AZ in the Eredivisie. The inform Alkmaarders will draw level on points with Ajax if they win. It'll also be the first match to be played at the AFAS Stadium in Alkmaar since part of the roof collapsed in August. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's... Uh... Okay, so, so they fixed the roof. It's, they, they're, they're fixing the roof, and it's safe enough now. They can't use mm. the whole stadium, but they can. Oh, okay. um, but, but it's safe to use the bits of the stadium that aren't uh, affected. <laughs> it doesn't have a collapse. <laughs> they basically, they, they obviously had to check the whole rest of the roof once yeah. that bit um, uh, blew down in the storm. Is it though? I feel like I don't want to hang out in that. I don't know if there's any danger you will. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's kind of a, an academic point. Actually, isn't what it? even is the sport that we're talking about? I'm not <laughs> sure. Uh, which Ajax player is uh, packing his bag this summer? So, reportedly, Donny van der Beek is finally going to be moving to Real Madrid. Oh, um, finally. Yeah, uh, which they talked about a lot last season, then it didn't happen. But according to Telegraph, they, uh, he's going to move for 55 million. Um, he's 22 years old, and it will make him the fourth most expensive Dutch player of all time after Fersen van Dijk and uh, the two Ajax players who left last year, which was Frenkie de Jong and Matthijs de Ligt. Hmm. So we have a lot of expensive players right now. Yeah, uh, so we're, we're, we're possibly the, 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 the must be the world's second biggest export of uh, overpriced footballers, <laughs> as well as uh, yeah. as well as cows and <laughs> cheap yeah. and paprikas. Um, and oh, I, there, 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 there is sports news that I know something about, yeah. so oh. I'm very excited. Really? So Gordon. There was a Dutch delicacy making the rounds in the sports media this week. Yes, indeed. It was a sweet scoop for the Washington Post uh, when they spotted NBA basketball player Robert Covington munching on a stropwafel during I, a game. I hear all of the uh, <laughs> NBA players are eating the stropwafel. Apparently, well, they all piled in afterwards. Yes, he's uh, Covington, who plays the Minnesota Timberwolves, what a great name that is, uh, said he eats as many as five a day. Um, and Dallas Mavericks player Kristaps uh, Porzingis also declared himself a fan. Uh, the Washington Post described the Stroopwafel as a favourite snack of the Netherlands, although Covington's preferred variety are probably more likely to be of American manufacture, which is a bit like eating a Belgian bagel. Yeah, he needs to uh, be introduced <laughs> to the right, the real thing. He does. Yeah, he's he'll, good he'll never, he'll never go back. Yeah, totally. Well, and as long as. Uh, and this is a, I think this, we should say this is a public service um, uh, message as long as he stays away from the lavender flavoured that's true apples. you got to stay away yeah. from the lavender yeah. flavoured yeah. no, leave yeah. those alone yeah. do you guys have a favourite stroke waffle brand my, like, my, my favourite stroke waffles are actually the Yumbo the Yumbo ones they're yeah. really nice yeah. Paul do you have a favourite yeah. brand I do, but I I, f- I don't I don't remember what the what the name is, but I recognize the package. The package, it's sort of a blue white package. Yeah, I really like. I've gotten really partial to the ones that you can get on the market in Delft. I mean, the fresh ones are obviously uh, the best. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. that stand there, ones that they make there, are really my favorite. Yeah, and when they're freshly made, that's of course uh, the freshly best. Freshly made is the yeah. best. Yeah, I agree. Vividay parliamentarian Dennis Viersma told Het Parole this week that universities and Habeo colleges should be able to set limits on the number of students they attract from outside the European Union. This comes after Education Minister Ingrid van Engelsova said in September she wanted to reduce the growth in the numbers of foreign students at Dutch universities and Habeos. According to Viersma, quote, the quality is going down, lecture theaters are full, some courses have to limit student numbers, and Dutch students are being squeezed out. And also, he doesn't think people should study psychology. Uh, What's he got against psychologists? According to him, the focus should be on ensuring foreign students study subjects which would be useful in the Netherlands if they want to stay. Priority should go to students taking technical subjects. Clearly, clearly Mr. Weissman does not spend a lot of time with Dutch people because they could all use some psychological help. (laughs) Rude. 
No. Uh, and, 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 harsh and, but fair. Harsh but fair. Harsh but fair. And given the high burnout rate that's in, what in, in, among Dutch employees, everyone ends up seeing psychologists sooner or later. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it is true that there's like, I mean, that he picks psychology in particular. <laughs> I mean, usually, you know, when the people are making these sort of glib remarks like this, they talk about like art history or something. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, lots of these social sciences are very... Are very relevant. Have got a practical use and have a very practical use and are in demand. Yeah. Um, How many international students are there in the Netherlands actually? Around eleven percent of the student body in the Netherlands comes from abroad, um, and around a quarter of those students are from outside the EU. That's according to figures from the international education group Nuffolk. And presumably, very tiny. Yeah, but presumably the proportion of students from outside the EU is about to go up quite a lot. I mean, all the British students will be coming from will outside, be coming the, outside EU. the EU. Will be coming outside the EU, yes. So I suspect that those numbers are going to increase even if the actual number of students does not change. Yeah. We will be discussing the Ophef of the year 2019 after this word from I'm our sponsors. S- I'm so excited for I this discussion. Ever, yeah, I, I, can, I can't wait. It's really the yeah. only thing that's kept me going this week. It's just like, on Friday, <laughs> yeah. I can sleep in. I don't have to like put on a suit to go to work. And we get to discuss the Ophef of does the year. Your diary just say genocide 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 yeah. genocide Ophef. and don't forget all i did last week the week before was genocide 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 lunch with steph block genocide genocide that's exactly right this is exactly Ophef. what my agenda said this week if you appreciate our efforts to bring you all the latest news um political talking points and of course Ophef uh, from the netherlands uh, then you can now sponsor us on patreon this week, uh, we'd like to say thanks to two new Patreons, Grigor and Paul Dundas. Um, thanks very much to both of you. Uh, thanks as well, we should say, to whoever it was that sent us um, a, a Our anonymous Christmas mug gift. Back benefactor. Our, our anonymous mug benefactor, <laughs> yes, and our anonymous chocolate benefactor as yes. well from Eindhoven. So thank you to whoever you are. If you'd like to become a Patreon subscriber, you can um, back us uh, at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl. Uh, if you like, you can ask us a question, which we will uh, do our best to answer on air. Um, about absolutely anything it can be news or just something personal or something totally inappropriate <laughs> uh, and in any case we'll give you a free shout out so thanks again to Grigor and Paul Dundas um, and uh, yes uh, uh, any other new patrons are very welcome and uh, I will not let the guys spend all of our Patreon money on Christmas sweaters <laughs> our listeners favourite recurring segment is of course the Ophef of the Week mm. What was the talk of the town in the Netherlands? What made our collective eyebrows frown? Why were we upset or what was so bizarre that we couldn't stop laughing? And of course, what crucially have we all forgotten within 24 hours? Indeed, yeah, yeah. because that's an important aspect <laughs> a, of yeah, OPEF. Key element of OPEF. Key element, yeah. yeah. Uh, who can ever forget the Anne Frank rapper? Oh my God, I forgot yeah. about that. Yes. <laughs> the lesbian couple in the Donald Duck magazine. That I remember. Yeah. The, w, uh, the World War II veterans were sent away f- at the Operation Market Garden Memorial because they didn't have have an access card Mm. and and, and one very very smartly responded they didn't ask for an access card when we landed in 1944 (laughs) yeah that was possibly the best burn of the decade indeed the word we use for that is of course Ophef. Uh, we even received a number of messengers from people all around the globe who told us that they adopted the word Ophef in their daily vocabulary. So we are very proud of that. And also Molly used that word on uh, the mean, BBC radio. I yes. did. It oh. may be my highlight of the year. I yeah. think, yeah. 
You, you are OPEF ambassador. I am the OPEF ambassador, yeah. yeah. The official OPEF ambassador. Mm. Um, because this is our final episode of the year 2019. And because, uh, you know, it is becoming a podcast tradition, it is time for us to talk about which OPEF was the most memorable and which OPEF made us laugh the loudest. In other words, what is the OPEF of the year 2019? Um, that... We will not decide that. That no. will our listeners will do that. Mm-hmm. Um, in this episode, uh, I pre-selected ten OPEFs, which are possibly the OPEF of the year. We will discuss them at length in this uh, segment. Yep. Then at the end of that, each of us, Molly, Gordon, and I, can choose one of the OPEFs from this list, and that will be the nominee for the OPEF of the year. And we will uh, put out a poll where you can. Um, vote and uh, the listeners can decide which uh, yeah. what will be the OPEF of the year. Do we remember what the OPEF of the year last year was? No. Molly, you rigged the uh, <laughs> election. Oh yeah, that's right. I rigged the election. What was it for? I don't remember. The um, uh, child daycare striptease. Oh, yes. the child daycare striptease. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yes. You remember. I do remember. Um, as we said, it's a key element of OPEF that right, you, you have forget to forget about it. it. And yes. Even the OPEF of the year is, uh, is forgettable. Um... Yeah, and we also decided that uh, if you let us know by Twitter, by email, whatever, that you have voted and you sent some proof, then uh, you uh, get a chance to win a very special Dutch News mug. Yes, we yes. will send you a very we'll special, send you a very special, special yeah. for one, yeah. one winner. For one off, uh, for one winner. Yeah. And if you are a patron, then you get double chance of winning. Uh, yeah. Um, that, yeah, that's a good idea. That's yeah. a very good that. idea. Yeah. Um, um, are you saying the listeners have to submit a bonnet here? Yes, in order they to do. Qualify yeah, yeah, yeah. For <laughs> you need a bonnet. <laughs> you need a bonnet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we will toss all of the names into a hat and we will let Truby pick, pick, the, uh, pick the one at random for yeah. who wins the mug. Indeed. So, let's start. Let's yeah, do without it. further ado, let's, let's get straight into the 10 OPEFs. We already mentioned the first OPEF. We uh, have. In week seven, Foreign Affairs Minister Steph Block posted a photo on Twitter of him standing behind his deck with a surprised look on his face. The reason he was surprised was that uh, there was a giant blue fluffy Muppet lying <laughs> on his uh, desk. Mr. Block wanted to make note that it seems to him that a lot of British people refer to it as the Brexit monster and not the oh. Brexit Muppet. Which I think we called it the Brexit Muppet. We called it the Brexit Muppet, yes. Uh, yeah, but Gordon looks like the Brexit Muppet, Gordon actually. looks like the Brexit yeah, Muppet like a Christmas today. Brexit Muppet. That's true. He, ha- he wears a Is blue, it you that's in you the Brexit the Muppet things. costume? Yeah. I can neither confirm nor <laughs> deny. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the official name is the Brexit monster because it's, I think it's the Brexit official monster. Uh, communication. But I well, I don't think you could actually... I think I think they would probably get in trouble if they actually tried to use the word Muppet. The Disney company is moving. But it's generally known as Brexit Muppet. Yeah, it's generally known. On Twitter, which is where these things Which is where it matters. Decided, yeah. Indeed. Um, the photo was the launch of the government's campaign to make businesses aware to prepare for Brexit and, in particular, to a no deal Brexit scenario. And uh, that is uh, sort of what the Brexit monster uh, symbolized. Uh, everybody, and especially the Dutch News podcast crew, immediately got <laughs> obsessed with the Brexit Muppet. And uh, yeah, we refer to it on the podcast on many occasions, uh, such as today. Yes. Um, Molly even got a chance to uh, ask the foreign minister in person about the question. Uh, yeah. So but it's we, definitely we the longest sustained yeah. OPEF. It's of kind of the, unusual, uh, isn't it? That this rolling yeah. OPEF has continued uh, to be. Yeah, it's, it's OPEF that's actually had some kind of longevity. Mm. Uh, what What was your favourite um, Brexit monster, Brexit Muppet pose? Oh yeah, um, uh, I know mine. Yeah. I think we have a shared one. Yeah. But I, I will. Uh, I'll, uh, I like the one of him in the greenhouse with the woman outside <laughs> screaming um, ah. in like terror, which is quite entertaining. Ah. Mm. Yeah. Which uh, one is yours, Paul? 
Uh, mine is when uh, so Steph Block was also the designated survivor at Prince's Dog. Yes. Uh, so he wasn't uh, in the in the in the Hall of Knights. Um, yeah. Uh, yes. When the when the speech of the throne as was all delivered. Dutch people must call the Ritters Hall. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> um, so what the Favorite Day social media team did was they uh, photoshopped the Brexit Muppet in one of the seats <laughs> uh, with the caption, uh, "If you desperately want to attend the throne day," <laughs> <laughs> so sort of implied that Steph Block was actually in was the, actually was which he denied. Well, it is, uh, but, but that is what Mark Rutte always jokes is, is that, you yeah. know, f- they can finally let stuff block out of the costume once, <laughs> the, uh, once Brexit is over. Yeah, I think my favorite was um, when they had a business conference and they just had a Brexit mm. Muppet uh, lying in front, in front of the, of the, the door. So everyone had to walk over. That's really good. Had to sort of step over him to get, <laughs> yeah. to get in. Yeah. yeah, that one was, was really good, good as well. Yeah. The second OPEF um, in week nine of this year. I um, had totally forgotten this one. Yeah, but it's a Happy good OPEF. It's a good OPEF. Yeah. Um, Toy Store's chain Intertoys filed for bankruptcy. Uh, it was yet another familiar name that disappeared from the shopping streets after already Kijkshop and Vroom and Dreesman had to close its door before that. Uh, however, following the news of Intertoys bankruptcy, a large number of people in the country realized they still owned a gift card of the store. Yeah, some of them were ones that people have got like four years ago and just never thought about no, until indeed. they realized that the shop was about to shut down. Yeah, so many people immediately rushed to the store to spend their gift cards uh, last minute before the uh, doors finally closed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many people tried to do this that the national gift card computer system, we have such a thing in the Netherlands, uh, became overloaded and crashed, resulting in long lines and delays in the stores. Uh, there were even reports of violence by impatient people. No. Uh, some stores were forced to close their doors due to uh, aggressive customers. What do we think the overlap is between people who threatened toy shop staff because uh, the, the, they wouldn't accept their vouchers and people who are setting bus stops on fire because they can't <laughs> build big bonfires on the beach? And people who got <laughs> upset about the vegetarian kadobans in the postcode belt <laughs> <laughs> and the answer to your question, Gordon, is it's just a perfect circle. Like yeah. a literal the Venn perfect diagram circle. is a circle, yeah. probably. Week three. Uh, no. Uh, OPEF 3, the foreign office. We, we we have a lot of foreign office related uh, OPEF. A lot of government office. We, there was a number yeah. of jokes when I was uh, when I was there about uh, how you can't don't get too aggressive with your dancing because mm. there's a problem with the floors. Yeah. Yes. The foreign office moved into a new building uh, this year in The Hague. Um, but as all building projects of the government, this one led to a lot of OPEF as well. A leaked memo revealed that the floor structure of the new building opposite to the central station was potentially unsafe and ministry officials were requested to take a number of precautions while further inspections were carried out. One of them was to uh, not stack files and dossiers too high, place more than one row of chairs around conference tables, or install too heavy cupboards. Yeah. Or there also weren't lots of uh, big piles of paper on yeah. the floor, were there? Yeah, but yeah, the yeah. paper was too heavy for the floor. Yeah, you yeah. shouldn't uh, yeah. stack them too high yeah. on the floor. Uh, additionally, the memo said that from now on, ministry officials were forbidden to organize dance parties in the building. Uh, I hear stuff Block really likes to get down, man. With with Brexit Muppet. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're on a on a on a on We're a personal, on a personal basis. Right personal now, basis so yeah. You have this inside information. Um, this news came after revelations that officials absolutely hated the building that was designed by star architect of firm OMA. Officials complained about the depressing atmosphere, the very expensive but dangerous design staircase. A number of people fell down yeah. uh, from it and were injured, and also the dramatic shortage of working spaces. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, this architecture firm OMA. This is not the only OPEF they've been involved in uh, this no, year. Is no, it? They're, they're, they're kind of like the Thierry Baudet of the architecture world. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, th- th- this OPEF is not on the list, but it's the Binnenhof uh, <laughs> complex uh, OPEF. Speaking of which, while I was at the ministry yesterday, <laughs> I bumped into... Literally, physically, Alexander Pechtold, oh, who really? is taking up this project. Yes. Yeah, indeed. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah, we talked about it many times before. The Binnenhof uh, is, uh, will, will be undergoing a major renovation. Uh, they uh, asked uh, star architect from Oma, Oma to make a design. It was rejected because of a lot of up um budget overruns, delays. Uh, it's all in there. They wanted so to put in a giant aquarium and a polar yeah. bear and Something stuff. Something like that. Another tropical uh, garden. Yeah. A tropical yeah. garden, which yeah. didn't uh, turn out to be a tropical garden, <laughs> but just... Uh, An uh, atrium with a palm tree in it. Yeah, just uh, it was just a framing by someone who was uh, opposing this uh, yeah. this architect. So it's, it, that one successfully uh, was successful because she was sacked. Not a full path. The next one, uh, Prime Minister Mark Rutte invited a group of five gilets jaunes, or gele hesjes, or yellow vests, as you, whatever you want to call them. He uh, invited them to the Torentje, his office in uh, one of the towers of the Binnenhof. Broadcaster NOS was present inside the Torentje uh, while they arrived. They filmed them as they entered Rutte's office. But footage showed that one of them pointedly refused to shake the hand of the Prime Minister. Mm. And another one walked in while pretending to be on the phone, deliberately avoiding eye contact with Mark Rutte. Um, this caused major upheft by people who thought it was, well, very rude uh, to behave in, mm. uh, in such a way. And others uh, yeah, were really were very understandable because you know it, he is the enemy why would yeah, yeah. you want to pay him yeah, any the, respect these also tend to be the people who make a big thing about the fact that um, people from like uh, you know Islamic communities don't like to shake hands of uh, female teaching assistants and right? not, another yeah. Venn diagram situation <laughs> yeah. indeed um, one group of Yellow Fest even felt the good name of the movement was so damaged that they uh, decided to split off from the original Yellow Fest and they started their own protest group called the Orange Fests uh, but uh, that didn't turn out to be a success because we literally never heard of them. No, <laughs> ever again. Yeah. yeah. No, this is a good. This is also a good off This yeah. is a good video, man. It was a very yeah. good, good job on the yeah. NOS to make sure they had like a really good shot. There. Yeah, it was just a good kind of self-owned off This yeah. one, wasn't it? Yeah. Supermarket Albert Heinz suffered a major malfunction in its payment system in week 24, uh, leaving customers unable to pay with their debit cards, resulting in long lines, chaos, and mass hysteria in supermarkets all around the country. Other stores from Albert time what the company Aholt were hit as well by the pin storing photos of abandoned munches and courages uh, at the pin checkouts were widely shared on Twitter and there were reports of frustrated adults who yelled at teenagers uh, who worked behind uh, the cashiers uh, the pin storing was resolved overnight and so the apocalypse I'm very proud of that joke yes, uh, came to good, an end very good. Yeah, that's a good one yeah. that's quite amusing did, were we uh, were we a victim of the pin storing I, no, no I, I wasn't so. either no, no. I was oh I was. yeah that's oh. right yeah yeah so uh, uh, they have did one you have to the, what did shopping? you do well they have uh, a small ATM uh, in the stores yeah. very often yeah. Oh, the, yeah. so you just IMG. went and got some cash so I went and, and got some cash I had to wait very long in line for that one and there was the, I think uh, the the not the person behind me but the one behind that uh, the, the the ATM ran out of cash so oh god was, uh, yeah I was going to say that, that would be next the next stage but yeah yeah that was the next stage so yeah, uh, yeah that was uh, but, yeah. but yeah th- 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 there are a lot of supermarkets all around in the country, right? Yeah. So yes. if you can't go to Albert Heijn, there's obviously a jumbo or a plus supermarket or whatever nearby. Yeah. nearby. But it was it was very fun to be uh, <laughs> part of the pin storing debacle, part of the storm in a glass of water, yeah. as we really, uh, like to call it yeah. here in the Netherlands. In week 38, there was a debate in the Amsterdam City Council about a letter of complaint sent by a person who just recently moved into the capital, Jordaan district. Uh, in the nine-sentence-long letter... the Sent at 1.15 in the morning. Yeah, it yes. was very early indeed. Yeah. Yeah. The expat complained about the church bells of the Westertoren, which, in his opinion, uh, were way too loud, and the hourly ring kept him uh, out of his sleep. Uh, he proposed to silence the bells from midnight to uh, 6 p.m. 
p.m. Uh, 6 a.m. Sorry, and uh, he also referred to a scientific study about the effects of church bells <laughs> I- induced insomnia. That one uh, I, I really liked as well. Mm. Uh, local residents went up in arms uh, when the letter showed up on the city council's official agenda and also social media and Twitter soon joined thereafter with comments uh, urging the expert to go home or move to another house um, as uh, yeah that sort of reactions uh, yeah. tend to happen the constant reaction um, yeah. one local councillor said if silencing the church bells is your suggestion then what you're saying is that you shouldn't be here because this sound is part of Amsterdam yeah yeah it was um, it, we don't know the identity of this person because it was anonymous they are assuming it was an expat because the letter was written in English mm. although you know theoretically Dutch people I guess could have also written it in English no I think it specifically said that he recently moved from Britain but I'm not sure about that but, uh, okay. but, but yeah um, yeah it, it caused a lot of uh, upheaval. of and course it, it seemed to me that it was a bit of a intentionally the f- the flames were poured onto this fire by the release of this because I am sure that the Gemeente in Amsterdam gets all kinds of crazy letters at one o'clock in the morning because yeah. I suspect yeah. that there's lots of residents who are get frustrated about things and dash off, you know, short emails complaining about something that they're mad about. Um, so... So, so is the op uh, what was in the letter or the fact that it was made public? I don't know. I think that's... A big that's kind of, uh, I guess we'll know, debate uh, this. There's a big so, storm yeah. as a result. Yeah. I'm not sure if okay, the, no, 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 but obviously yeah, the, 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 the council didn't kind of seriously entertain this, right? They just all said, no, we're, we're not going to sign this. No. no, yeah, they Go. referred it to the bin. Yeah. Um, BVV Senate leader Marlijn Faber's tweet about a uh, stabbing incident in Groningen in week uh, 40 caused ophef. Uh, a group of people were stabbed in the city centre uh, of Groningen on a terrace by someone who was uh, almost immediately arrested. Faber, however, tweeted that the suspect was someone from northern African descent and that the media was covering up this fact. However, eyewitnesses and the police confirmed that this was in fact not the case and many people were wondering why the PVV Senate leader uh, would tweet something that was untrue and why she uh, also refused to delete the tweet or apologize. Uh, A journalist of news program Newsur decided to ask her uh, these questions, but again she refused to answer and she started to walk away. The journalist followed her with a rolling camera through the Senate building. Uh, He kept asking questions and she uh, started to uh, to run faster and faster. And at some point uh, Marlene Faber was so annoyed that she turned around and yelled in the microphone that the already legendary words my tweet klopt. Mm. Uh, (laughs) My tweet is right. Uh, This of course immediately turned into an internet meme <laughs> uh, the screenshot of uh, of her with that caption yeah. uh, still appears all the time yeah. did you Paul yeah you missed out you made a major error of omission <laughs> did you I you should have replied to the news or guy with the picture <laughs> of this <laughs> That's, yeah. oh no <laughs> there's still time oh. <laughs> that would have been amazing that would be perfect no, I feel stupid mm. yeah yeah, but it did, as Too you bad. say, generate a lot of people who then immediately sort of started putting up all kinds of other pictures with the caption, main tweet club. Week 45 saw the arrival of the first Dutch F-35 joint strike fighter I, on Dutch soil. I think this is my choice. No, it's not, it's not your choice, it's my choice. Oh, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> no, <laughs> the new state-of-the-art fighter jet landed in Leeuwarden. The Ministry of Defence called it a historic moment for the Netherlands and the Royal Dutch Air Force. The government's decision to join the international design team in 2002 was controversial from the start and the countless delays and spectacular budget overruns were ever more reason for a constant flow of, of, of ophef over the years. This was the Binnenhof ophef. Uh, it was, yeah. Uh, b- although it ran even longer than the Binnenhof ophef. Yeah, 
probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it will. For many years, politicians uh, didn't want to burn their fingers on the JSF because it became such a hot topic. In 2009, a minister refused to make a final decision about purchasing the jets, but simultaneously announced to invest more money in the project, to which Alexander Pechtold, we already mentioned him, Mm. famously replied that he hoped that she still had the bonnet jet. That's an excellent burn. It was an excellent burn. Uh, But finally, the JSF was there, and of course, this could not go without Ophef. The fighter jet was given a water salute by the Leeuwarden Fire Brigade to welcome it to the Netherlands, but it turned out that instead of water, extinguishing foam Mm. was used, uh, accidentally used for this. Um, The foam uh, contained... The foam contains chemicals that damage the brand new 124 million euro jet. Yeah, so it's gone literally a baptism of fire extinguishers. <laughs> yes, yeah. indeed. Yes. Um, luckily, the damage uh, turned out not to be too serious, but it was reported that the firefighter who operated the water salute celebrated his birthday uh, the day after uh, the arrival of the jet, and he was given a a foam-topped cake by his <laughs> colleagues. That is excellent. That's an excellent bit of trolling. Yeah, I yeah, know, but you guys cool. have to let me pick this one because then it just keeps up yes. with my theme of birthday-related ophefs being my favorite ophefs. And it also oh, continues yeah. the theme of you rigging the um, the vote in your favor every single year. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, what, did, did, American, we, ex- what, did, did yes. we expect something else? <laughs> We'll have some kind of yeah. We've got an electoral college system in place already. Yeah, so, no, just, <laughs> my my uh, western to, to unpopulated state counts for sixteen <laughs> times the amount that your guys' votes do. It's fine. Um, singer Andre Hases, the son of the singer Andre Hases, uh, left his wife in uh, week forty-six for a much older woman, Bridget Maasland. She is uh, twenty years uh, senior of. Uh, of Andre Hases. The news of the relationship of the two celebrities was soon the talk of town, but tabloid headlines uh, painted uh, Bridget Maasland as sort of the evil woman who uh, snatched away Hases from his very lovely uh, girlfriend. Yeah, kind of wicked stepmother. Indeed. Yeah. Um, this caused a lot of upheaval uh, by many who thought this uh, portrayal was very unfair. On top of that, more upheaval emerged when celebrity gossip TV show Arturiel Boulevard remained practically silent about the affair. Coincidentally, the show is presented by Bridget Maasland, so it was sort of a accused of hypocrisy yeah. on the other hand it would have been pretty awkward to try and talk about it on the of course on the show but that that's the reason why yourself. you don't hire a BNR <laughs> as the host of these sort of uh, TV shows if this wasn't enough though it was Dutch statistics agency CBS who joined the OPEF when it posted an infographic about relationship stability and age difference on their Instagram page mm. this was of course a clear reference to the Hases and Maasland OPEF and many thought it was very unprofessional and inappropriate for a government agency to do this but no, I uh, I just had to, I just kept laughing. Yeah, uh, I think for, come on for a couple of days. This you, is you, the you, best. You, you work yeah. in statistics. How often do you get the opportunity? And, you, to, and your to, stupid to, office is in Limburg. <laughs> like, how often do you get the you know, chance you, you to do take, something? You've got to take what joy you can. Actually, that. I'm going to change teams. I think this is going to be my favorite one. <laughs> I, oh. I I just hope that they will make a sort of tradition out of this. Every time there is some sort of upheaval, that they will join in and yeah, and, uh, and yeah. post some uh, sort of boring stat sheet. Yeah, about, like, give with it some steps. Yeah, I think it's really smart. That's good because yeah, it's a good way to sex up your stats by just yeah linking it to the, the story of the moment yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, and now I come to think of it I'm not following the CBS on Instagram yet I'm going to so fix that like right now yeah, I'm going to go too. follow me the too. CBS on Instagram okay as you do that I will talk about Kim Kardashian yes yeah. do, do you follow her on Instagram I do not hmm. no 
Do you follow Sweater Pete on Instagram? I do I not. I didn't even know he was on Instagram, Sweater Pete. I don't think so as well. Yeah. Um, Sinterklaas arrived in the Netherlands, of course, in uh, week 47, and that always results in some upheaf. Yes, uh, a lot of upheaf. A lot usually. of upheaf. Yeah. Last year we had the angry Frisians who blocked the motorway, and uh, this year um, also Sinterklaas decided to change his mode of transportation from a steamship to a steam train. Yeah, although the steamship did come along later on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh so yeah, yes. he switched mode of... Uh, okay, yeah. okay, didn't know that. Yeah. Um, the Sinterklaas upheaved this year, though, was caused by the one and only Kim Kardashian. Mm. Uh, that week, she tweeted a link to an article of Al Jazeera about Sweater Pete with the comment that she found this Dutch tradition, quote, very disturbing. Um, you know, everybody in the Netherlands couldn't stop talking about uh, Kardashian's tweet. Uh, but Mrs. West wasn't the first American celebrity who spoke out against the Dutch tradition. Several other artists uh, have already said that they will not perform in the Netherlands as long as this tradition is in place. Um, Funnily enough, someone who was in one of the photos in this article, Stefan, complained to Algemeen Dagblad that he is now going around the world dressed up as Sweater Pete. <laughs> uh, so he really re- regretted that uh, mm-hmm. decision. Uh, he says he has millions of followers and uh, they all see me now dressed up like this. Um, he told the newspaper anonymously. Because, so yeah, he's he said still, anonymously. I think he's uh, still anonymous because nobody can recognize him. With well, exactly, because he's got his Sweater Pete makeup on. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Yeah. So, uh, so as long as he doesn't actually travel in the makeup, he'll, he'll be <laughs> he'll all right. He's fine. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was uh, those were the ten yeah. nominees for the uh, for the OPEF of the year. So we can yeah. now all choose our favorite ones. I'm annoyed that the kids' playground noise did not make the cut. I think that's my <laughs> protest for this year. I think it was not serious enough. I think. Right. I know, but it's like such great. It's such up heffy, up hef. Yeah, like, that's the, true. The one I missed in this list was the one about the uh, the capsulon wars. Oh yeah, well, that's the, also a good one. The, the, the two capsulon, um, uh, the, the, the two fast food outlets that in Amsterdam and Rotterdam who were competing. Was it not that they had there an argument about who, who was the first to introduce capsulon to the country? There was a uh, snack bar or a kebab store in yeah. Amsterdam who claimed to to sell the original Amsterdam. Capsalon. Yeah. So he posted it, I think, on Instagram or some sort of social media, and it sparked some reaction from the kebab store who actually invented yeah. the, uh, the 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 capsalon. Um, and that one is one in Rotterdam. So uh, yeah. it was a fight between Amsterdam and Rotterdam over who invented the capsalon. Yeah. I think also as a direct result of this opf, uh, I actually ate capsalon for the first oh, time. Oh, did you? Yeah. And uh, how was it? It was good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. as a concept, it's flawless. Uh, but, but, but I didn't. Uh, yeah, as a concept, it's flawless. Yeah, I, I, I didn't do eat it the way you should, which is uh, after drunk. having is drunk after yeah. having yeah. night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's true. So Molly is an expert yeah. in that. I think it's true. Yeah. It's my. It's it's an excellent way to spend your time. I think. Yeah. So, um, but you have to choose from the list. Maybe we ha- we can have a fourth uh, nominee. That's what we did last year because this is how I rigged the, the, the that's vote. That's how you rigged the vote, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, we had yeah. F- next one. But um, okay, I will. Uh, I will. Uh, I will so, yeah, who's what? Will what start. are what are our initial favorites? Yeah. yeah well, 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 I, I have to say, uh, uh, Yours is the jet. I decided from from the moment that we actually ran it that the the, the fighter jet was my favorite. Fighter jet of the is year. a good one. It's absolutely yeah. brilliant it's one. Absolutely. Just the fact that it's been this opf has been running. It's a combination of like seventeen years yeah. of continuous opf, and That's then there was literally the kind of the foam on the top yeah. with, <laughs> with the fire extinguishers. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think agree. it's perfect opf. So your choice is the JSF. Uh huh. I think I'm going statistics agency. Statistics agency. What's yours going to be? Uh, mine is the Gele uh, Hesjes with Rutte. Oh. Okay. So yeah. my question is: Is can we do an all puff of the year list 
that does not include the Brexit Muppet? Or are we deciding that the Brexit Muppet has gone beyond all path and is now <laughs> too integrated into society to be considered an all path? Yeah, I think so. I yeah, think that's I, what th- I'm th- I think he's broken. Yeah. The, he's jumped the all path shark. He's jumped he, the all path yeah, shark. Yeah, 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 yeah. he's Muppet. risen yeah. above the all path realm. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 I agree. Are there anyone other ones on the list that somebody feels really strongly should make the final cut that we wanna we wanna fight about? We can mm, have Truby select can, a bonus. Uh, uh, which one can we give a wild card? Perhaps yeah, the Inter Toys gift card stuff. I, I don't know. I kind of like the Albert Heim pin storing. I pin think only because you personally experienced mm. it. Also no, makes no, me happy. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mind tweet. Uh, mind tweet is a good one as well yeah. because it's just become a catchphrase. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's that's a good Shall we give Mind Tweet Club to a yeah. we'll give that as an extra. That can be Truby's pack. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. Truby's pick. So we okay. have uh, the Gilets Jaunes with Rutte. Yep. We have Mind Tweet Club. We have the JSF. And we have Kim Kardashian. No, Andre Haas is in the CBS. Oh, the CBS. Yeah, right. I'm going well, CBS. So those right. are the four. Those are our four choices. Nominees. Those are the four nominees. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you can choose, you can vote for any of those, and you can vote by whatever medium you want. Basically, we'll post a link in all we'll of the liner link. notes and stuff. We haven't set up the poll yet, but we'll do yeah. that today. Yeah. And um, let us know that you voted. Send a bonnet as well. Yeah, send a bonnet. And you uh, have a chance to win uh, one of the very special Dutch News mugs. And then we're gonna we'll have Truby pick uh, uh, sometime before the end of the year, and we will send somebody a mug. And we will uh, notify you the first episode of the new year. First episode of the new year. The winner. Who is the winner? That's all we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes, and also a link. to uh, the poll where you can vote for the OPEF of the year. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. And you can also back us now on Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and you can earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast. My thanks to Gordon Derek and uh, Molly Quell. I'm Paul Peters and we'll be back next week. (laughs) 